Have you watched The Bridge? The Bridge? The, the bridge. show? The show. No. It's uh, HBO Max, I believe. And it's, Ooh. It's a reality show wherein, and I don't want to give too much away, but these contestants are random people that don't know each other. Yeah. It's like 12 people brought to the middle of nowhere, some wilderness, and there's 100,000 pounds, British. Oh, pounds. yeah. Okay, uh, currency. So it's like $140,000. Yeah. On an island. And they have to build a bridge that's 850 feet long to get to this island. Are these just normal people? Just normal people. They're not bridge builders or anything like that. It's a floating bridge. So they don't have to like build a structure. Okay. They don't have to be true engineers. Yeah. It could be like a beaver bridge. Yeah. Okay. Um, How deep is the water? I don't know. Somewhat deep. Okay. It's, it's a small lake. Okay. Um, but they have to work together to get to the island, and then only one person gets the money, and they don't know how it's going to be decided until they get to the island. Oh. And so it's interesting. It's sort of like Survivor, where you've got people who are trying to play it as a game. You've got people who are just trying to work hard. But I found it really heartwarming because you've got these people from all different walks of life. And instead of like Survivor where you're just trying to compete right away and like you can get rid of the people you don't like, you have to work together. Yeah. And there's like this old guy who's like a car fabricator and this young girl who at first they're just button heads and he knows everything and whatever. And they end up becoming really close. And like you hear this guy's story and like his son passed away and like he's raising his grandson, his son's son, um, and like you just get these layers, but it adds this perspective to this thing. And the takeaway for a lot of it was, if you look a little closer, there's a there's a good story to people, right? And you can have a bond with anyone if you take the time to foster it. And you have to understand maybe a little bit of their background to understand where they got to. But if you take the time to do that, you can have some real connection and some real friendship. That's that's important. Yeah. Um, and. This episode is all about the relationships and the people. Good segue. Okay, yeah. But we're not going there yet. I've got a hot take oh, that, all I've right. been, that I've been chewing on. Yeah, chewing on some beef here. Chewing on some and hot I, takes. And I want to I float this to you, and I, I want your, your opinion. So I had a friend who I don't talk to, who I haven't spoken to in like a year or more. Yeah. They did something reprehensible. Dishonest. Mm-hmm. Rude. Selfish. I have another friend who's closer with that friend. Yeah. And that friend was also offended and to the point where he had stopped talking to this person. Yeah. They finally reconciled and had a conversation and cleared the the air a little bit. But the person who did the awful thing didn't say it wasn't awful. And in fact, they said, well, if that made you uncomfortable, I've done a lot worse. (laughs) But their criticism... Was and, and my friend that I was talking to who didn't do the reprehensible thing said that person A, who did something bad, Yeah, I'm talking to person B, who had a similar reaction to me, person A and B had the conversation, and person A said, person B, your, your problem is you're too judgmental. And when I heard that, my instinct was, it's kind of a cop-out. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a dumb defense to say... 
You're being judgmental. Yeah. Because the opposite is having no opinion whatsoever. Right. Which I think is impossible. It like is. What we yeah. do is judge things. And I think yeah. you can judge things harshly or you can judge things without context. And that's sort of what I was saying with the with the show The Bridge. Like you can look at some of these people and be like, well, he's just an abrasive guy. And you realize what he's put up with and what his life has been and that mm-hmm. adds context. You're still judging. Yeah. But maybe you have a different judgment with more backstory. But just to say as a criticism, like, oh, you're being judgmental. Mm-hmm. I think that's a way of saying I can't defend myself. Yeah. And so I'm saying that you noticed how bad I was and yeah. the fact that you noticed makes you judgmental. Yeah. Because I can't offer anything to art. Like if you if I did like, let's say let's say I stabbed you. Let's let's say you you were stuck in a window and I was assaulting <laughs> you with a stick and you got all mad. Yeah. That would be a case for me to be. Like, oh, my God, David, you're being so judgmental. <laughs> Because if it wasn't something bad, if I could defend it, I'd be like, well, hang on. This is why I did it. I did it because you made me skin the cat and you (laughs) assaulted me. Then it starts retaliating. Yeah. Yeah. So I got got real hung up on this idea of being judgmental. And is it possible to not be judgmental? Because I don't really think it is. Like we as humans, you hear something, you have a reaction. Yeah. That's technically judging something. Yeah. Everything is a judgment and everything is an opinion. And, and that's how we make Honestly, we all think our opinion is usually right. There are a very few amount of people who will truthfully listen to someone's opinion. But when someone starts telling their opinion in your mind, you're immediately thinking, no, no, my, my version is, is right. You're already mm-hmm. judging them. It's the first thing we do. Yeah. It's the last thing we do. It's all we do. Yeah, we're pure judgments. And every action that we make is based on previous judgments. Like that the fact correct. that I'm not going to stand up and go stab you. <laughs> is because I've I've seen other I, I've I've read stories of other people stabbing people and I'm like that's not good yeah I'm judging that as bad and I'm gonna use that to shape my own behavior I gotta say too like if you lost two friends for over a year you can't just say no nah, you're just being a little judgmental you could say that if like you didn't talk to someone for like three hours of like hey I think you're being a little judgmental. But if it was like a full year, you clearly did something that was really wrong. And I will say that it wasn't that person B like caught hearsay of something that person A might have done. Yeah. And then had a snap judgment without hearing the whole story. Person A described in detail their actions to person B. <laughs> and based on that, person B was like, yeah, that's awful. I yeah. don't want to I don't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah. So snap judgments, one thing. But using all the information available to you gathering all the context you can and then being like yeah that's bad yeah it's not judgmental no that's just uh that's perception that's forming your opinion and saying this person is bad so there's no good bad but this person is doing things i don't agree with so it is with this perspective and this quest for context yeah that we seek to understand ourselves and the world around us which was our original tagline for the Hardy and Sons podcast, I believe. Yeah. Something similar to that. A quest for context within ourselves and the world around us. Yeah. Hardy and Sons podcast. Hardy and Sons podcast. Hardy and Sons dot dentist. We get deep. <laughs> <laughs> you got a cavity. We're getting deep. Hmm. Right? It's a brain cavity. Ooh, that's it's good. a thought. Pro- well, not a thought, but it's a, this a philosophical isn't just cavity. Filler. 
Oh, hmm. nice. There it is. That didn't take long to get this to. This podcast deserves the crown. <laughs> See, you know all these terms because you have a dentist website. Mm-hmm. You have purchased a dentistry website. You're I had to a do DDS. a little quiz. You did a quiz? I, well, to buy it. It's like, are you really a dentist? Did you really? How many teeth do you have? <laughs> and it was a drop down. It was like one, two, three, four, or more. Ooh. I chose three. Okay, I was going to say, that's a trick question. Trick question, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good choice. All, our, most of our teeth are actually one big tooth that's connected. You just can't see because it's inside the gum. Yeah, it's like a nacho. They're all <laughs> stuck together. When they're stuck together, it's just our one Our gums chip. are the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so visit us at hardyandsons.dentist, <laughs> and yeah, we will perform your next root canal. <laughs> hey, Maya. Come. So we're filming. It's been a week filming. filming we're recording. Yeah. It's been a week since our last episode, but we're recording moments after we recorded our last episode. <laughs> yeah, so so the power tools guy. that you're hearing. <laughs> I got oh. a great look at him, too. Not what I was expecting. I yeah. thought it was going to be a young buck. He's a nice guy. He looks nice. That's he, the thing. He looks like a dad, just like a Good he old dad. A, he owns a custom bucket built <laughs> business. <laughs> he just takes buckets and customizes them. How many holes you want in that? <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Right it's now, he's not you. even working on buckets. This is how he does his phone calls to clients so they can hear what it sounds like when he would be theoretically working on their bucket. He puts that <laughs> in the background so he can yell over it and end the call sooner. <laughs> this guy is really busy. He's just always working on buckets. You know, we don't really have phone static anymore when you have a conversation. Oh, whoa. Yeah, I never thought about that. Like, it used to be cordless phones. Yeah. You get to a different part of the house, start to crack up a little bit. Yeah, you're cutting out, you're cutting out. And now with it being a digital signal, when it gets cut out, piece, yeah, it drops out, but it's still clean. Yeah. Because you used to be able to, like, be on a phone call. And take like a plastic grocery bag and just yeah, make noise yeah. to be like, oh my gosh, I can barely hear I you. I do it all the time. You can't really do that now because that no. sound, it, it's like when you when you hang up in a movie and you hear a dial tone. That's, <laughs> not, that's not how that phones work. Yeah. Well, what you have to do now, feel, and no. Mm-hmm. And that, it, it get, you know, it's funny because we're doing this, but the background noise will be consistent <laughs> throughout. <laughs> It's a third. We've got a third mic just set up on the bucket. We should have the bucket mic. That's a good idea. Oh, there he's back. We should come up with an. <laughs> That's your favorite noise. You get so tickled by it. We should come up with an app, the Static app, where you put it in your phone, and it's like whenever you want to insert static during your phone call, you just hit. You know, you press pound. You know what? Did you do a lot of Zoom meetings? thought you were going to ask if I ate a lot of paint chips as a kid. No. Uh, <laughs> I've done a fair amount of Zoom meetings, but not a ton. So a feature that's missing from these platforms, you can turn off your video, right? And when you turn yeah. off your video, it puts up like whatever profile picture you have for your yep. account. I think having a looping video feature yeah, that's genius. would be great because with Zoom, if you turn off your video and turn it back on, it if you're in with a lot of people, it like switches where you go. Like if you turn off your video, it moves you to the like the bottom of the list. Okay. And when you turn it back on, you stay there. And so for me, when I've been in like a three hour meeting and I have to use the restroom, 
I turn my video off so they don't see me walk away. I don't want to just walk away and leave an empty seat. Yeah. But if I could click a button that's like, record eight <laughs> seconds, and I could just sort of nod thoughtfully <laughs> for eight seconds, and then it would just loop that, and I, I could get up and leave knowing that it's just going to look <laughs> like, um, and worst case, or... What happens if they ask you a question? Or freeze video. Where instead of turning my video off, it'll just pick a frame, and I could purposely make sort of a dumb face, and yeah, like and a thing like one think second. It won't be like, oh, Sean's gone. It'll be like, uh, I think Sean's frozen. Yeah, that's, I, that's what happens when you like freeze normally. Yeah. Okay, I like the frozen idea, but it's got to do something with the audio too, where it just keeps saying ah, 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 ah. Oh, that's good. Ah, ah. That's yeah, good. it's real good. Yeah, and then you also the static comes in. We gotta bring the static in somehow. Yeah, so then the, just the video looping <laughs> has me with the plastic bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just showing you like as a Foley artist creating static noises. <laughs> all of a sudden you're in this like sandbox room and all these mics are there and yeah, you're crumpling up a bag. This is an episode of Human Giant. Did you ever watch Human oh, Giant? Oh, did I ever watch did Human Giant? Did you see the Giant? Foley skit with Rob Hubel? I watched Human Giant in 2008 when I was that when it came out I or guess. 2007 yeah, somewhere in there that's when I watched it I haven't seen it since there's a Foley episode where like a woman comes home and she's like cutting celery and stuff like that yeah and the guy's doing it all backwards we're like as in the film celery's breaking he's in the Foley booth like breaking somebody's arm <laughs> so instead of it being an arm breaking on screen you're breaking celery yeah it's all this stuff but he ends up like <laughs> Just beating the heck out of somebody to do this kitchen scene. That's pretty genius. Uh, but my neighbor's a Foley artist. I don't know if you knew <laughs> that. He's a Foley artist and, and bucket holesman. That's our next class. We're going to team up with Sean's neighbor. Custombuckets.dentist. <laughs> <laughs> you can look him up. <laughs> How many uh, domains do you own? I don't know, but now I might have to buy custombuckets.dentist. <laughs> Everything is just dot dentist for Isn't you now. There a thing I, in I applaud that. In Hollywood, where like if you mention a website in a film, you have to own it. I've never heard of that. I I, I thought there's some where like at a certain level with something in syndicate, like if like you are required, like when Arrested Development had said websites in there, like they have to own those websites. Um, I I thought there was something. I wouldn't like that. doubt that that's a real thing. And it's not that you have to build a website there, but you have to own the domain. Yeah. Um and. There was something where somebody had like I think it was like a reality show where they said that and then a producer said like oh great now we have to go buy that one like as a joke yeah so that's what makes me think there's some truth to it but I like the thought of like man any domain joke that we make we, we have, have to purchase. go buy the domain yeah <laughs> like, I do no like matter that what joke it costs too. we are obligated <laughs> before posting this just think think how famous that domain will get and how much you can charge for someone to buy it from you because yeah, it was squat. said on this podcast I'm a squatsman. You're a squatsman. And it's a Hardy and Sons domain. Hardy and Sons dentist. Look at that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Can you see him? No. No, okay. Uh. Um, I can hear him. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a kid crying in the distance. It's not mine. Yeah, I didn't know if it was a cat or a kid. Might be part both. Could be both, yeah. Yeah, it's Anne Hathaway. One of my... It's good. <laughs> I think I, she's or, in Cats. I was going to say, or anyone in Cats. Yeah. She was Catwoman as well. That's what I thought you were going with, right? Was she in the movie Cats? I don't know if Anne Hathaway was in Cats. I know that in one of the recent Batman movies. She was Catwoman. She was Catwoman yeah. in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. 
You think so? Oh, yeah. I've only seen it once. You should rewatch it. Okay. It doesn't hold up. I don't like the character Bane. No one liked the character Bane. I can't think of one of his lines to do his voice. Whoa, Batman! <laughs> oh, I love Martin that line. Brain. That's one of the best lines. <laughs> Just say Batman. Or he's got the one line that I do like. He's like, first I'll break your mind, then I'll break your body. <laughs> or maybe I said that backwards, but he's got a weird cadence to it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of characters. Speaking of characters. This episode oh is about a little bit of the the paint that gets added to the canvas for some individuals. Yes. And I think we get in the very beginning, we get some new time with Biff and Chet. We're 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 rounding Biff out. Not only is he a, a spider legged boxer <laughs> But he's earnestly trying to get better at boating. He wants he to is, be, he yeah. wants to be a boatsman and he's yeah. going to the best. And he's also training people in boxing too, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like Biff is just an all around like just a good dude, you know? He wants to improve on himself. I don't think in the rewrites he's a boxer. He isn't. No, he just plays baseball. Yeah, but in the rewrites they say that cuz his real name's Robert or something like that and he goes by Biff. Because it's a family nick like nickname or so. There's some weird yeah, thing I, of like wow, that's his a uncle really far back pool that you just did. Yeah, but his uncle, yeah, Biff, that he's named sort of nicknamed after, is a boxer. Like yeah. this, whatever distant relative he steals Biff that's from right. is a boxer. Yeah, but in these originals, he's a boxer because it's the 20s and like boys boxed. Yeah, they punched each other. And for pranks, they assaulted one another with <laughs> flat sticks and compressed spines. And it was bulls. hilarious. <laughs> and what? And bulls. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, uh, we get a, f- a few characters we got to dive into here in this episode. First, and I think the first interaction that we get is the one you're probably looking for early in the book, when Joe goes and sees Iola. Yep. Is that what you're looking for? Oh, you know I am. So this is when they're, they're going to see off Biff and Chet. They go to the, the Morton farm, which I believe there is a typo where it says, we'll go over to the to the Norton farm and see Chet. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Okay. Neither did the editor. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I guess that was the editor. Uh, but, yeah, he. Uh, I think it's in the, let's see, probably in chapter two. That's quick thinking. Is it quick thing? Oh, the send-off. Let's see. Send-off or the Shady Trio? Uh, it's the Shady Trio. You're right. Uh, oh, we have actually... We, we have a Page Fenton already seen before that one. Oh, we do? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 do this one first here. So the first one we have is... Uh, they reach the Morton Farmhouse. Yeah. I'm on page 26. Yeah, oh, I'm there, baby. Reach the Morton Farmhouse in good time, and Chet's sister, Iola answered their knock. Iola was a pretty girl of about 15, one of the few girls at whom Joe Hardy had ever cast more than a passing glance. He lowered his eyes bashfully when she appeared in the doorway. Which I imagine that, like, by lowering his eyes, he's honestly, like, taking his hand to his forehead and pushing down and pushing his eyes just down to his mouth. Yeah, (laughs) or or pushing his his fingers just into his eye sockets (laughs) back down. Uh, I also think it's weird. It has to be said 
these this is they're 15 and 16 years old in this yeah. book regardless of the fact that like don't put romance in this book at all if you have to say like ooh a pretty 15 year old you're doing something wrong yeah i would agree with that as an author unless you're a 15 year old author yeah in which case you just wouldn't say the rage you just say <laughs> a girl a pretty girl like this makes me uncomfortable that they're like oh this uh, sweet looking 15 year old <laughs> I'm not even writing this off to like, well, it was a different time. People got married at 17. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. You know, Stop I didn't it. put that together, but you're right. Yeah, it's a bit strange. It's definitely yeah, a bit sentence, strange. The sentence, Iola was a pretty girl of about 15. That's one of these, <laughs> like, pretty girl, oh, of about 15. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Chet just left in the car about 10 minutes ago. She said smilingly in the answer to their qu- to their inquiry, it's strange that you didn't meet him. Well, he probably went by the other road. We'll catch up to him. Won't you come in? N- no, thanks, stammered Joe, blushing. G- guess we'll be going. Oh, do come in, said Iola, coaxingly. Callie Shaw is here. Is she? Frank brightened up at this intelligence, and at the moment, a brown-eyed, dark-haired girl of about his own age appeared in the hall. Bada-bing, bada-boom! That's her entrance. <laughs> <laughs> That's her catchphrase. She, yeah. She Is heard Callie her name called Bada Bing hey. Bada Bing Boo. <laughs> she was very pretty until she spoke. How you doing? Hello, she called. As Joe Pesci. Pleasantly. <laughs> Dismay. <laughs> this was. So, Iola's a pretty 15 year old, and that's weird. Callie gets this. Hello, she called, smiling pleasantly, and displaying a small, even <laughs> teeth of a dazzling whiteness. Sheila displaying <laughs> small, even teeth. Of <laughs> Get your snaggle tooth in you. <laughs> he just loves small teeth. How many times do I gotta tell you, you Sheila? You gotta shave those beavers down. Okay, I like my whites <laughs> pearly and small. <laughs> she was a perfect ten. You should have seen her. Teeth like sideways pieces of rice. I'm telling you, they were centimeters. (laughs) Much wider than they were long. The perfect woman. Anytime I need to cut a piece of paper, I put her jaw onto it and slide her head. (laughs) If you want perfect Julian onions, all you have to do is get a real cold so she's a chattering and you just run the onion on through from the side. Perfect, small, even teeth. Mm. And the whiteness, dazzling. Except for the one big blue tooth. Seven times longer than any other and, and off center. It's like Tom Cruise. Dying. Ciao. Oh, Leslie. What a, what a weird description that is. <laughs> Lord. <Ooh>. Oh. <laughs> Man, I'm dating this totally hot chick right now. Oh, really? How even are her teeth? <laughs> They're pretty even. Yeah, but how small? <laughs> Oh, so small. <laughs> like compared to the gums, what's the ratio? Much more gum. 
Yeah. But not when she smiles. You still don't even see any of it. Because her tongue is so big. <laughs> Swollen. <laughs> this is like Cronenberg body horror. <laughs> She's like a Picasso in real life. Oh, this is the nastiest image of all time. Oh, Franklin, you disgusting man. So... That's our little bit of Joe's love life. Uh, Mr. Hardy, though, we, you wanted to go back to Mr. Hardy. Oh, we should definitely. So in this book, uh, Fenton Hardy is definitely some kind of sociopath hell-bent on just possibly dying and letting his family know, like, yeah, I'm probably going to die. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get murdered. This is going to happen. So he's talking to – I think he's talking to Lara. Yeah, right? so, so in this book – Fenton Hardy leaves to go find Baldy Turk in Chicago. And he's explaining, like, you know, I'll do my best, but Baldy Turk will shoot me. If he <laughs> has the chance, he will yeah. absolutely kill me without a second thought. Yeah. But I'll be back in a few days, probably. Probably. Yeah, exactly. That's So Joe says to him, like, he just tells Joe and the family, I'm going to go out, I'm waiting for a letter to arrive, and I'm going to leave tomorrow to try and catch Baldy Turk. Then let Baldy Turk watch his step, observed Joe. We'll both have to watch our step, answered Mr. Hardy, smiling. If I don't get him, he'll probably get me. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on you. There's his son, just like the realism sinking of like, oh, is dad going to die? I think dad's going to die. Probably. Um, I think an interesting thing that really adds some layers uh, to Mrs. Hardy, to Laura, Fenton's wife, um, on page 24, um, after, after this whole discussion, well, I'm betting on you. Mrs. Hardy shook her head doubtfully, but said nothing. She knew that her detective husband had escaped death at the hands of desperate criminals many times in the course of his career, and there seemed to be no reason why he should not bring Baldy Turk to book, just as he had captured many other notorious criminals in the past. But this time, she had a vague premonition of danger. She knew that her husband would laugh at her fears if she expressed them, so she remained silent. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. You what, know, laugh. What a repressed... <laughs> Like laughed is just the nickname of his right fist. <laughs> you know he domestically abused. But really, in the nineteen twenties, like the 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 normal accepted relationship between women and their husbands who own them. Yeah. Uh was sort of this way. But ne like looking at this with our modern viewpoint, what she's expressing here is concern for the man she loves. But she's afraid to be like, I'm just scared because I don't want anything to happen to you because I love you. Yeah. Because if she says that, he'll laugh at her. <laughs> yeah. He'll laugh at your fear. <laughs> you're afraid I'm going to get killed and you're going to be left alone with these <laughs> boys during the Great Depression with nothing to raise them with because my will is going to my sister Gertrude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Gertrude. Yeah. Oh, classic Gertrude, which this book just demolishes Lara. So this is like the first step into her psyche of like, she's probably not in a good place. She can't speak to her husband because she's going to get laughed at and we'll get to more soon. Oh, and, and I mean, the whole premise of this book. So Biff and Chet are going on this trip. 
Frank and Joe can't go. They would have gone with Biff and Chet, yeah. but they can't go because Fenton's going to Chicago, and the boys need to stay to look after their mother. Yeah, Laura can't be left alone. Laura can't be left alone. Um, and that's both her saying that, which I yep. think is probably a projection. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, she's been told so many times that yeah. she can't be left alone. Yeah. And so the boys dodge a bullet when they decide, hey, we've got to go look up north because Phil hasn't yet remembered that the the boys said they're going south to Black Snake Island. So before that, they're going up north and they need like they don't want to leave uh, Laura, their mother, because Fenton's gone already. Yeah. Luckily, who's coming into town? Gertrude. Yeah, buddy. And because of that. They might be allowed to go because Gertrude can watch Laura Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> which Gertrude is a bad idea. Yeah, and, yeah. And Gertrude, in the in the rewrites, is sort of cool. She she she's cooks. Fun old lady. Yeah, she's she's boisterous. She's yeah. like, she's a bit overbearing, but supportive. Uh, keen. Definitely she figures keen, out a yeah. couple things. Yeah. Um, but is is just a house guest. Yeah. And and seems to get along well with Laura. The original. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 uh, Before we get into Gert. Okay. Let's take a quick break. Let's take that quick break. Take a quick let's break. Let's hear a sweet ad. We'll be right back with Gertrude. With Gertrude. David, I have to tell you a story. I love stories. What do you have for me? We're talking about Gertrude. Yep. Uh, is this a true story? Yeah. Nice. Uh, this is two quick true stories. Uh, two? Both of them... Sourced from the fact that before I lived in the house where we are sitting right now, I lived in a different house. Yeah. And my next door neighbor was named Gertrude. And Gertrude. His name was Gertrude? Her name was Gertrude. Oh, her name. Okay. And Gertrude was sort of the matriarch of the block. She'd lived there for like 50 years or more, knew everything, just sat on her porch, was this gossipy, whatever. I, I got along well with her. Yeah. Um, she was, to my surprise... A Democrat and an Obama supporter, by contrast to my neighbor on the other side, who recited Fox News talking points and yelled about Obama all the time. Classic. Uh, and and to put this in perspective, we moved to this house in summer of 2016. So this was before uh, Trump's election and all that. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have to hear any of that from him, thankfully. However, in spite of this being like the standard set for what Gert was yeah. and, and is, um, I sort of, my, my guard was down because I had known, like, the the other neighbor would come over and just spout hate and then he'd leave and Gert would be like, oh, he doesn't know anything. Like, you know, these people need whatever. Like, she understood altruism. Right. Um, and one day we're sitting there and we're, uh, the mailman comes by. Got this mailman named Joe. Super nice guy. Um, I normally wouldn't share a detail like this, but Joe is white. Yeah. We're sitting on her porch one day, and she's got some, some bills that need to be mailed. And a mail, a letter carrier comes by uh, who is a black female. Yeah. And Gert hides her, her bills behind her chair. Huh. And the, the mail carrier, the letter carrier, gives her new mail, and off, off she goes. And I was like, and I, I knew, I I knew it was going to be bad. But I was like, oh. Gert, why didn't you give your your mail? To, uh, because Joe obviously had the day off or something like that. 
I'm like, why didn't you give your mail to the letter carrier? And she goes, oh, the the colored ones don't always deliver it. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, everything's bad. Yeah. Everything's bad about yeah. that. Yeah. So Ugh. my distance began to grow with. I began fostering a separation between us. Yeah. Um, however, later, a few months later, a new couple moves in on our block, a few houses down from me, two gentlemen, very, very nice looking oh, people. Oh, no. Um, so this oh, no, that yeah. you're feeling right now? Yeah. Me, too. <laughs> I'm worried because she's telling me about these two guys that moved in, and I'm like, oh, oh no, yeah. it's just gonna be awful, <laughs> homophobic, whatever. And she's like, they are just the nicest guys. They came by, they brought me some cookies. They, you know, as as they welcome me to the block or me welcoming them to the block, they're the nicest guys, and it's just so great to have them on the block. And I breathe this huge sigh of relief, yeah, because I was so I'm like, don't say anything homophobic, please, please don't do this. And we almost made it out, and she's like, besides, that colored family moved out of there. And I was like, no, oh, no, please. It's worse please than I thought Please don't it was do this. Be. Yeah. We were almost, it was like, yes, 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 <laughs> no. Well, and the reason I bring this all up, I ran into her a few days ago. I was, I was, on, a, I was on a walk. It was a yeah. nice day. Around uh, the old place? Around the old place. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's literally four blocks from here. Oh. Um, so walk past it. She's out on her porch. I say hello. And the people that are living in my house now, yeah, uh, I've had a couple packages erroneously sent by well-meaning relatives ah, to that. To yep. She has reached out and contacted me and very politely left them for me and said, like, you can come get them and stuff like that. She's a, uh, a nurse who works the night shift who's been working all of COVID. She's... An amazing woman. Yeah. Um, Gert says to me, like, oh, man, I wish you still lived here. <laughs> they, uh, a Dracula is what I call them. <laughs> yeah. they, they're up all night. They're up all night, and they sleep during the day. And I was like, yeah, she's a, she's a night nurse. Like, And I don't want to give up any, like, I'm not about to be like, oh, yeah, they sound weird. Like, I don't want to give her an inch. Yeah. I just want to push back on all of this because I know what's coming. <laughs> but apparently, and at the at the risk of <laughs> Dracula, <laughs> um, the woman experienced a loss, a very close loss yeah. in her family, and put a plaque in her backyard as a token of memory to this person that she lost. Yeah. Um, and Gert is telling me about how awful their backyard is, and how like they had a dog. And they buried the dog in the backyard after the after the dog died. Mm. Um, I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. I would have problems if they had buried the dog alive. I just don't want this dog anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's so loud. I fear it'd be quieter under the dirt. I called this dog power tools. <laughs> <laughs> I called it custom bucket. It was just so loud. Hardly then. Get over here. But Gert is telling me the story, and like, and it's it, she told me, you know, yeah. They're not buried here. It's just in remembrance of them. And I said, well, you're weird. Yeah. And I was like, that's so heartless. Yeah. Don't, this is how a woman is dealing with, with grief. Yeah. This is how they're mourning. It's her yard, too. And it's her yard. Yeah. What do you care about? And uh, it was just the weirdest, most awkward. And she kept like, right? Like, she's yeah. telling me this. And she's like, and can you believe that, right? <laughs> and every time, like, just due to the history, I had to be like, well, I don't know the story, and like actually, this you know, I could see that being you know a comfort, and yeah. it was just so difficult. But for that reason, as I read this book, as I speed read this book the past two days, yeah. this p 
picture of Gertrude, I suddenly had a very, <laughs> very clear image of this judgmental, like, mind your own business. You just, like, you have a problem. No one does anything right. So I know Aunt Gertrude, and I spent yep. some time with Aunt Gertrude for a few years as her neighbor, and then a refresher on what a bitter and angry woman Gert is Yeah, uh, just yet oh, yesterday. Oh, that is yesterday. hysterical. So with that as the precursor, <laughs> I went into this not a fan. Not oh, a fan of Gertrude. And no, she is a monster. Take me. Who is who is Aunt Gertrude? Who is Aunt Gertrude? She is just the meanest individual ever. She does Where does not... she live? Where does she live? Isn't she a... Uh... Oh, God, I should know this. Uh, I don't know. She travels, right? Yeah, she has no home. Yeah. She has several trunks and a cat. <laughs> yeah, a lazy cat, right? Yeah, yeah. lazy orange cat. Yeah, she's like a nomadic old lady. Yeah. And I forget, she has a bunch of bags. And if you don't carry her bags, it's the end of the world. Oh, yeah. That's and she's coming to stay for an indeterminate amount of time. And Lara is not happy about it. No, nor should she be. No, but the boys are because that means that they can now go on a boating trip because mom has someone to watch her. Yeah. I want to I want to digress for one second. Fenton Hardy as he's leaving. We didn't discuss this. But on page 43, yeah. Um after the whole Baldy Turk discussion and all that, page 43 um, well, I can handle him, said the detective lightly. Well, here's my taxi. I have to get going. Goodbye. Now, before I read this next sentence, he had just explained how Baldy Turk might shoot and kill him. Yeah. And his wife would be made fun of for verbalizing any fear. So he kissed his wife, shook hands with the boys, then picked up a suitcase and club bag and departed. And I just thought the handshake... <laughs> To a 15-year-old of like, well, I might die. <laughs> Good luck out there, kid. Nice to meet you. What a weird distant yeah, send-off. It yeah. really is. Mm -hmm. Would a fist bump have been more appropriate? Maybe. I think, if anything, a hug. The, well, if you're going to be distanced, do the handshake, but do that, like, pull it in for the hug where you keep your handshake oh, hands yeah. between you as a barrier. Yeah. That way when did that originate? Uh, after Fenton Hardy, <laughs> I bet Frank Dude and Joe Fenton invented Hardy. it yeah. just to like. Oh, this is a Hardy Boys invention. I need invention. to feel something. <laughs> they didn't want to give up the handshakes. That's what Dad taught them. But they're like, how can we introduce a hug into the handshake? There was also another thing where Hardy, Mr. Hardy's calling out Lara, where she says, uh, "You know, I telephoned a taxi for you," and her face was troubled. I do wish you didn't have to make this journey, Fenton. Mr. Hardy laughed. You've never worried about me so much before, Laura. I've gone away on cases as bad as this dozens of times without causing you as much anxiety. <laughs> which I just feel like this is just... Take your pills, Laura. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take, Take your, your zannies, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Pop a zanny, have a drink, and lay down. Here's a zanny bar. Take half of it. Frank, Joe, watch it. Feed it to your mother later on. <laughs> slip it in a sandwich. When you hear her heart start beating again, <laughs> give it two more, and I'll be back in a week. <laughs> they give him a dark so gun, too. Like, he just got a blow gun. He's like, it's dipped in horse tranquilizers. <laughs> Shoot Wait, her in the bottom. <laughs> See if she can skin the cat. If she tries it, 
shoot her. <laughs> because if she's high enough, she will fall immediately. With that, he kissed his wife, shook hands with the boys, <laughs> and shot a blow dart right into the side of her neck. <laughs> Winks at the boys and closes the door. <laughs> Bullseye. <laughs> with that, he left. <laughs> It's terrible. Ciao. Ciao. Speaking of the boys and how they handle relationships and grief, there's also uh, on page 48 when they're talking to uh, Iola and Callie about, because they're still missing. um, Frank observed, I don't think they've been drowned. They're both good (laughs) swimmers, and it would take a lot to kill either of them. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Frank. (laughs) Tone it down, buddy. Uh, but yes, Aunt Gertrude had no fixed place of abode, accompanied by numerous trunks, satchels, and a lazy yellow cat by the name of Lavinia, which That's I have right. to imagine is Sheila's sister. It has to be it Sheila's to sister. Be There's Sheila's no sister. doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like a big, fat, orange tabby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a human that he's referring to. Lavinia is Gertrude's human sister. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but she's got don't like tell red me hair. Feline of a sister's coming <laughs> to visit. I've seen her lick her armpits her before. Are huge <laughs> <laughs> and so uneven. Can't They're even pointed look at like a Dracula, <laughs> <laughs> like Scott Bakula. <laughs> oh, I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shiny star. Uh, Um, So they decide We know Aunt Gertrude's coming She's going to come with all this stuff Our goal She's probably coming in on the 4 o'clock train So we're going to leave at 3 That way we can dodge it Yeah So it's like 2 o'clock Boys are changing clothes They're getting ready They're putting on their clothes So they can go on a boat trip I'm on page 54 Oh okay And, uh, And alas For the best laid plans Aunt Gertrude must have had Some premonition of the truth she advanced the time of her arrival by a good two hours. Ooh. The two o'clock train brought her to Bayport. Bags, baggage, and Lavinia, the cat. The boys were first apprised of her advent when they heard a taxi cab pull up in front of the house. Joe popped out the window of their room. Joe peeped out the window of the room. Sweet spirits of Nitra! Aunt Gertrude herself! <laughs> no! Sweet spirits of nitra. Yeah, I love that. That's just my only underline on this page. That and she'll be madder than a wet hen when she finds we've escaped. That is coming from a boy who has sprayed a hose on a hen before. Okay, how'd that go? Not well. That's why he said as mad as a wet hen. Like, this is someone who has tortured a hen with water. Okay. I I I mean, why else? I don't know that about hens. I mean, hens are birds. They can. Get in the rain. Yeah. A wet hen wouldn't inherently be a bad thing. A wet hen would be mad if you tortured it with water. <laughs> that's that's where the expression well, comes from. anything would be mad if you tortured it with water. You're essentially waterboarding this animal. Yeah. And, and that's what Joe did. Spraying it with a hose. It's like that scene in Billy Madison where that poor little kid is sitting down and the man just got a hose. He's just, <laughs> just spraying laughing. him with it. <laughs> Mister, stop it. <laughs> I don't even know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what I don't know because I know that. Whatever you don't know doesn't matter because that's the most important thing to remember. Uh, don't even know you. 
so yeah, they they see Gertrude, and she is attired in voluminous garments of fashion dating back. Sorry, the decade, at least a decade. A decade, yeah. The font changes; it gets smaller. I have to zoom in. Uh, so she is just yelling at this taxi cab driver. Yeah, protesting the fare. Protesting the fare. She's not gonna. She's not gonna pay it. No, it, and then it's, she gets angry because uh, it, it being. Her firm conviction that taxi cab drivers were unanimously in a conspiracy to overcharge charge her and defraud her at all times. Which I get. I understand. So she is completely yelling at him and saying, you shan't have a tip. Now carry my bags up to the house. This is her introduction. Yeah. Welcome, Aunt Gertrude. First lines. Yeah. yeah. She ain't going to be fun. Uh, uh, the driver gazed sadly at the silver in his hand, pocketed it, clambered back into the car. Carry him up yourself, he advised, slamming the door. And the taxi roared away down the street. Frank chuckled. Classic. That's one on Aunt Gertrude. But Aunt Gertrude had no intention of carrying the bags up to the house. Suddenly, she glared up at the window from which the two boys had been watching the scene. You two boys up there, she shouted. I see you. Don't think I can't see you. Come down here and carry my bags. Hustle now. They, they hustled. hustled. That's my favorite thing about these books are these little lines like that. There's there's another one coming up. It came. They hustled. Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed there. So they have to uh, explain their clothing to Gertrude. Gertrude is coming in to run the house. She ends up yeah. checking their mail. Yep. It's like she has infiltrated their lives and is in charge. And it's all bad. Yeah, it is not She's good. She's judgmental. Very. Uh, yeah, she is talking about their attire, talking about uh, what, there's holes in their their pants. And, and they're like, they're not yeah, wearing we're bow going ties. on a boat. Yeah, you're not even wearing neckties. Yeah. They're like, we're going on a boat. But we see in the illustration that when they're on Black Snake Island, yeah, they've got coat like and three tie. three-piece suits. Yeah. yeah they, they look like little they look amazing. Yeah, they look Impeccable. fantastic. Yeah. They're ready. <laughs> I like to think that's what they're wearing, but there's just like a little scuff mark on the knee. Or they've got these like batty or batted coveralls over their suits Ooh, just to piss Gertrude off. I like a that. Bit. And then, yeah. Well, as soon as we leave, we'll gel yeah, back our hair. There's snap suits. My cane is on my motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> my, I put on my top hat after I put on my helmet. Their glasses are just two monocles. Uh, so she's not a fan of the boys going out on the boat and serve them right. I suppose. Oh. <laughs> They're explaining, we want to go on this boat trip. We were going to leave before you got here, but uh, our friends are missing. Uh, they have to go out. Mrs. Hardy's explaining. They're going out to look for two chums of theirs who've been lost for three days. <laughs> and serves them right. I suppose they were out on a boat trip, too. I knew it. <laughs> and now they're lost. That's what happens when you let children go out in boats. By the way, she's not wrong here. Yeah, she's not. But this is not how you handle this situation. Yeah. Not when their friends are disappearing. You don't need to tell someone, like, hey, your friends are idiots. They shouldn't have done that. When yeah, they're this missing when you for three days. Yeah. Serves you talk them about right. that behind closed doors to, you know, your friends. You're yeah, like, yeah, get, these dumb kids It's went better out. if you're overheard on a phone call saying that yeah, to somebody exactly. who's not involved in the situation, <laughs> not to the boys whose friends are missing. Uh, I suppose woman. in a few So now you're going to let these two youngsters go out on a boat, too? And I suppose in a few days, some of their chums are going to have to go out on a boat to look for them, and they'd get lost too. And then some more little boys would go out to look for them, and they'd get lost. And by the end of summer, there wouldn't be a boy left in Bayport. 
<laughs> I feel like in many ways this character was a staple of families for a long time. Yeah. And I think you can probably see remnants of that in your current relatives. Oh, yeah. But largely, I believe this is an extinct creature. Like this completely overbearing like just steamroll everybody. I hope most so. of these people died in the seventies. Yeah, oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Serves them right. Serves them right. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, we're becoming Gertrude's ourselves. Uh, but Laura shows some some savvy mom score some mom points here when Gertrude goes to take a phone call, and so she steps into the hallway, calls the boys into the hallway, and she's like, "Go, run, get out of here." I'll deal with Gertrude. Yeah. Stabs Gertrude. <laughs> Run, boys. Run. <laughs> Run, she said, smiling. I'll take care of Aunt Gertrude. Run along while you have the chance. Man. They kissed their mother goodbye and hastily departed. And this is, again, where kissing your mother is an affectionate thing. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not casting judgment on that. But to kiss your mother and shake hands with your dad <laughs> shows such a, a fork in the road of yeah, what parental affection is like. I would like to see that flopped. I want them to kiss dad and shake hands with mom. <laughs> in the rewrite, that's what they should have done. Yeah, we'll, we'll rewrite them one day. Ugh. They're a little too old to be kissing mom. At least I think so. Yeah. Maybe not. 15 and 16? Yeah, that's a little too old. I mean, where are they kissing her? On the cheek? Doesn't say. I'm guessing it's lips. Um, so the last relationship that I think we need to cover here is Fenton again at the end of the book. So after they've been rescued, they're headed back home. Uh, their father got up quickly. Yes, he's in the library, and what of it? Oh, that's uh, Gertrude. Yeah. Gertrude didn't know that they heard he had been kidnapped. So yeah. they get back. Hardy Boys did not wait to reply. With a whoop of delight, I'm on page 211. Oh, I'm there. With a whoop of delight, they rushed through the living room and into the library where they found Fenton Hardy seated at the table. Now, before I read this next sentence, they thought their father was kidnapped by Baldy Turk. Yeah. They just escaped gunfire, revolvers, all this stuff. Like, it's been, it's been grim. Yeah. It's been dark. They, I, spoiler alert for next episode. They watched someone get shot. Yeah. <laughs> they saw a man get shot, and their father was kidnapped by this. So, bad news. They see their father for the first time. Just relaxation pours over him, emotions. Their father got up quickly as they rushed at him, and in a moment, all three were shaking hands <laughs> and chattering in gladness and relief. Do you think he put out two hands at once? <laughs> <laughs> one for each son. Joe gets a left hand handshake. Or no, Frank's the adopted one. Frank's Frank the gets adopted the left handed one. handshake. Yeah. yeah. Joe gets the, <laughs> the honest right hand. <laughs> and so yeah, this this whole like he's so proud of them. We heard you've been caught by the gang. Well, it was the other way around. Hardy boys nodded. Their father gazed at them in incredulous astonishment for a moment. Then he slapped them heartily on on the back and indicated the chairs nearby. Well, now, this is. is a rare invitation for them to sit, to sit by dad. their dad. Yeah, yeah. welcome <laughs> to the study. Hey, to have dad. a seat. They dust off the cobwebs of the chairs. Yeah, We haven't been allowed to sit in these <laughs> ages. <laughs> Fenton Hardy listened to the recital of what happened with sparkling eyes, for he realized that his sons had played a part that made him proud of them. 
for the first time. <laughs> and when the tale was finished, his approval was evident by the manner in which he pounded the desk with his fist. Yeah, Fenton's got anger issues. By the way, he's still sitting behind the desk. He's not sitting with his sons. His sons are sitting across the desk from him. Yeah, so, you think he'd do cool that and sit on the desk, cross his legs, kind of lean in, lean forward? His approval was evident by the manner in which he pounded the desk with his fist. Fine, he declared. <laughs> yeah, that's you made Fenton Hardy's day. He can be proud of you and your accomplishments, and you can tell, not because he hugged you he or he said how proud knock. he is. He said the word fine <laughs> and pounded a desk. I guess instead of hitting you, he hit a desk. <laughs> and what better expression of love is there from a 1920s dad? You're not wrong. And this is where we find out, too, about the whole false report. And then he goes into all of that shenanigans. How did the saw get louder? I, yeah, I was just thinking, I feel like I'm shouting way louder now. And it, what's funny is it's getting darker. Yeah, there's a storm Yet the of bigger brewing. tools are coming out now. Yeah, this one's definitely plugged in. See, this isn't a bad, this isn't 14.5 volts. This is serious. 14.4, I know, I know. No one knows, Sean, except for you. 14.4. You're the only Voltsman in here. <laughs> well, that can be said. Old Voltstron. Well, I do say that. <laughs> <sighs> so these are the relationships of the Hardy Boys. And they're fantastic relationships. So and, I'm glad the father's willing to like put a hand on their back in the rewrites. Yeah, well, not even a hand. He punches them in the back. <laughs> well, you said rewrites. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you're right. In yeah. originals, yeah, he beats them. Well, beats he beats them a in the desk back. instead of them to show how much he cares. <laughs> He does do something where it said he like pats him on the back, and you know that pat was extra hard. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a soft pat. It wasn't no. a loving pat. It's like that scene in the end of uh, There Will Be Blood oh. when his son is reflecting back on how bad yeah. he's treated him his whole life. Yeah. Yeah, this is— H.W.? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is what's happening to H.W. That's a heartbreaking scene, mm. too, because he makes the deaf guy sign that he's not his real son, and he just found him. Oh, man. Bastard a in a scene. basket. Yeah. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. Oh, that's a brutal scene. Man, such a mean person. I drink your milkshake. I drink <laughs> it up, Eli. <laughs> and it goes all the way over <laughs> here. Beautiful scene. It really is. is. What was there's what was the line? Oh, when he does his speeches, he always says like I am an oil man. I'm an oil At man. least I like to perceive myself as an oil man. I started giving a lot of notes to people's screenplays. So in all of them now, the front page, the title page, I always draw a picture of Daniel Plainfield, and it just says, I am a notesman. <laughs> and I just <laughs> perceive myself as a notesman. that speech into saying, hey, I'm about to give you notes, and I'm going to Speak plainly with you, and they're going to be harsh. Plain viewly with you. Plain viewly. Yeah, nice. There it is right there. I try to work in HW, too, but I'm like, I don't think they'll get that reference. Yeah. I'll just keep it I'll keep it uh, normal. I'll oh, keep wow. it uh, on the down low. So if you get the reference, good for you. If you don't, still makes sense. <sighs> I'm happy, David. I'm happy, too. This is good stuff. It's this really good, good stuff. Yeah. This feels like normal. It is normal. It. We're, We're back in it. It's yeah. been too long. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know if you can see the lightning that's behind you, but there have been some no. serious bolts. No. I think it's time to pack it in. Yeah. But uh, hopefully you won't get struck by lightning when we get to part... Th- no. Hopefully. Hopefully you won't get struck with lightning when we get to chapter three. There part it is. Three. Does that work? Part three? No, but we're going... It's a comparison. Hopefully lightning doesn't hit your tree Hopefully lightning now. doesn't hit me. Hopefully Before lightning we doesn't go through the tree to hit me for you to see. Ooh-wee! Before we get... To comparison... Part three. three.